Sandy and I moved to Greene County some 28 years ago, and I was a young preacher, not by age, but I was just out of cemetery, uh, seminary. That always gets a laugh. I always use it first. That calms me down. Uh, saves all my Bob Hope humor for later. But anyhow, we moved to Greene County some 28 years ago and uh, for me to pastor Bethesda Baptist Church. And uh, what they didn't know was that I only had one sermon, and, and that's true, and I had to preach it twice the first day. What they didn't know was that it was going to take me a whole week to write another one. So in the meanwhile, we had, I had to come up with some way, you know, to, to fill that, ser- that, that sermon time on, on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And guess what I used? I used my wife. And, and one of the old deacons came up to me. Now, I'm, an, I'm in uncharted waters up here, guys, ladies. First time preaching at Grace. First time preaching in a sanctuary without a suit on. So I am not in comfortable waters right now. <laughs> But anyhow, one of the old deacons came up to me after she sang one night, and he said, Son, if you ever learn to preach like she can sing, you're going to have to buy yourself a bus. Well, I don't have a bus yet. So, (laughs) Kenny, you remember some of those days, don't you? Yeah. Let me set the stage for this morning's sermon. It is the summer of A.D. 27. Now, in a few minutes, I will tell you why I know it was summer. But it was the summertime, and John, Mott, uh, John Mobley and, and Robert Motley was looking forward to starting junior high school. <laughs> Bob Richardson, my friend Tom Robinson, was starting college. Jim Moore was raising money for Seafair to go to Israel, and Hal and Jane Cobb was on a mission trip somewhere. That's why I know it was the summer of A.D. 27. Jesus is walking the Sea of Galilee. And as he meets those people who needs to be healed, he heals them. And a great crowd begins to follow Jesus. I would have followed him. I hope that you can see in my life today that I do follow him. But this great multitude followed Jesus. And that's in chapter 5, 6. And in chapter 7, we come to this focal passage, which is Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Would you stand as we read the Word of God to honor God? It is printed in your handout, and I will be reading from the New King James Version. Matthew chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you used, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Would you pray with me? Father, we bless you. We have come today to bless you. And we have come to be blessed in your name and for your honor and for your glory. And Father, when we leave this place today, we pray that everyone that we see will see that we're following Jesus. And it's in his name that we simply say, 
Amen. Did you hear those first two words? Judge not. You know, Jesus is bringing us into the presence of God with these words. For only God has the right, the privilege, the attribute to judge. Judge not. For you see, if you judge, you are an assuming a role of authority. If you look up the definition of a judge in Webster's, it will say that it is a person who has the ability or has the position to make an authoritative opinion. So you're assuming a role of authority. Judging can be condemning. Judge not, Jesus says. Here, Jesus is not giving us an option. For in an option, that means that you have a choice to make. Jesus is not saying that it might be a suggestion that we not judge. For in a suggestion, you're getting something that you can think about in order to form an opinion. Matter of fact, Jesus is telling us that to judge, it is not even a recommendation. Jesus is not saying it would be best that you not judge. Jesus is saying, judge not. It is not an option, it's not a suggestion, it's not a recommendation. It is a warning. Jesus is simply saying to us, he is warning us not to judge. Matthew Henry, a, a, one of the greatest commentators, an 18th century British English commentator said, what Jesus is saying here is that he is prohibiting us from judging. So, not an option, not a suggestion, not a recommendation, but it's a warning for us not to judge. There's two major reasons not to judge. The first, the first reason... It's a warning against adopting a hypocritical judgmental attitude that tears down others in order to build oneself up. Judge not that you be not judged. And Jesus goes on and he says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? I, I, I took the liberty of circling that speck for you so that you could find it. Boy, aren't we prone to look for speck? Mm. The word in the Greek that is used here is a word that the speck, the word for speck, is a Greek word. Actually, it's Aramaic, then turn, uh, then, then turn into Greek and turn back into English, one of those things. It actually is talking about the, the chafe from wheat. Remember how Jesus said to Peter, he says, Satan is, is wanting to sift you. And the, the, the chaff that would come out of that is the little pieces. Have you ever done any landscaping? Have you ever taken any straw and thrown it out on the ground? And suddenly the wind, it always comes my way for some reason. If I build a fire, the smoke always comes my way. When I throw hay out to my horses, I'll guarantee you, if the wind's coming this way and I throw it that way, the wind's going to be blowing right back at me. And you get that stuff in your eyes. Yeah, and, and, and I go ahead and get done, what, complete what I can. I get in the house and I go to the mirror and I take my glasses off. Then, of course, I can't see a thing. But I'm trying to find it. Yeah. Have you ever done that? 
It's amazing how small that stuff can get. You know, when we look at our neighbor, this is what we do. We look at the speck in our neighbor's eye seemingly through a microscope. Boy, we just really want to look at it, don't we? I'm that way. Am I the only one in here that way? Of course not. And when we see that real little speck, this is what it really looks like in our eyes. Oh, man. And Jesus is saying, why do we look at that little speck in our brother's eye when we have a plank in our own eye? I like to do graphics. I like to do PowerPoints. Jimmy did most of this, though. That's a stack of logs, by the way. And, and, you know, sometimes I think that we have more... Let me speak for myself now. Sometimes I think I have more than just the plank in my eye. Sometimes I think I have that whole big stack of that timbers in my eye. And sometimes I feel like it is so big it's going to take this to remove it. A crane, it gets to be so big and it weighs me down. At the same time, though, I'm still looking at my neighbor. Yeah, I'm still looking at that speck in my neighbor's eye. Because as long as I can do that, guess what? Yeah, you got it. I'm not looking at the plank in my eye. Isn't it amazing how we can just acclimate to that so easy, looking at the speck in our brother's eye? Remember, the reason number one for not judging our brother or or judging was that we might adopt a hypocritical, judgmental attitude that tears down others in order to build one's up. Built built oneself up. Let me tell you what number two is. Jesus says, For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, you will be measured back. Or it will be measured back to you. It simply simply stated, it it sounds like this. We're going to be judged by the same criteria that we judge others. Can you think of a time, can you think of something you said that could have hurt someone? You know, it it could have been misconstrued, and it could have really hurt someone, but it didn't. What if you had been the person hearing what you said instead of saying what you said? You ever been there? Well, I have. Have you ever innocently, innocently been somewhere or innocently, innocently been with someone that, you sh- somewhere you should not have been or, or with someone maybe you should not have been with and you hoped that no one saw you? I have. What if you had been the person seeing? What would the story have been? You know, and another reason, and I'll just throw this in, another reason for not judging is we don't always have all the facts, do we? I was pastoring a church some, some few years ago and there was this little man. He was about this tall. Somebody told me recently, when I get his age, I'll be that tall. And he walked like this. Real meek man. I doubt if I'd ever be that way. But, and, and he was always behind his wife, you know? Am I painting the right picture? And I was really thinking about him. What a, you know, I, I mean, you know, just not my kind of a man. And we had a chance. We, we took a, a men's trip. We went down to the, uh, to the, air, uh, the, the air museum down at... Uh, 
south of Macon. Have you ever been there? The Aviation Museum? What a, what a great time. So we get in the van and, and, and to go, and I happen to sit down next to this man. And we talk on the way down there, he, you know. He probably did most of the listening. We got down there, and as, as we were getting out of the van, I turned to offer a hand to him. He took my hand, very slowly got down out of the van. He says, thank you, Brother Lim. You see, uh, my leg here is not really active much anymore, and, and I don't hear well, <laughs> and I really don't see too good either. He says, do you mind if I just stay with you most of the time? I said, I'd be honored. So we go throughout the, the museum, and we come back in, and, and here's his mock-up, a half of a room full of a B-25 bomber, life-size models and stuff in there. And I'm standing there, and, and he's standing next to me, and you know, he's trying to read the words, and... and uh, I'm looking at the, the side gunner of a B-25. Now, if you don't know much about that, he stood in an open air. There was, there was no bubbles around him. And he had a 50 caliber machine gun that he was shooting at the aircraft. And I'm thinking, boy, that must have been a windy place to be. And then this sign catches my eye. And it says, in combat, over Europe, life expectancy of a side gunner was 17 seconds. So while I'm standing there and trying to digest all that, this little man bumps my arm and he says, that's what I did. And I looked at him and he just started getting taller and taller and taller in my esteem. On the way back, you know, he says, we were shot down four times over Europe. We make judgments and we don't even have anywhere near all the facts. Have you ever accidentally injured someone and praise God that person and other witnesses knew that it was an accident? What if there had been no witnesses? Would your testimony saved you or convicted you? Mm. How many times have we been in a, in a position of being the judge? Boy, this one hurts. You know, I was taught in, in seminary that you never preach anything that you don't believe and you never preach to them, you preach to yourself. So this one really hurts for me to say. How many of you, like me, blame the rude behavior of children on bad parenting when, in fact, we knew nothing of the facts? Jesus says, judge not. It's not an option, not a suggestion, not a recommendation. It's a warning. Judge not. How many of you have had your negative first opinion changed to being a very positive opinion about someone? Oh, yes. I have a, a, a very large staff out of Penfield. Out of about 21 people, I think only about five are not ordained pastors. Man, you talk about a rough day. <laughs> So, when Jimmy asked me to preach this passage, I asked, I asked the experts, I asked my administrative assistants, 
to read this passage and tell me what it was saying back to them. I want to share three things with you. Be Christ-like. Love one another as he loves us. Get things right in your own life before you challenge others. One person simply said, we need to change what would Jesus do to do what Jesus does. Man, that's, you know, I mean, that's profound, isn't it? Just quit asking, what would Jesus do and just start doing what Jesus does? And then she shared this. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's the introduction to my sermon. This morning, I got up not wanting to. Have you ever done that? Every morning, right? Sandy and I have been real busy. Uh, we, we are really involved in, in the walk to Emmaus. And yesterday was a, an all-day training for us. We, had, we were in Thompson yesterday morning before my eyes ever opened. Matter of fact, we got there before I ever drank, before I got my first cup of coffee completed. We got home just in time to put the cows in, I think. So we were very tired. We did nothing last night. I, I, I mean, nothing. Have you ever had those? You know. So I got up early this morning, and I wanted the Lord to just flow out, make it flow out of me, everything that did not pertain to this morning and today and to worship. So I got up early and went down to my favorite chair. The Lord and I have been known to have some good conversations down there. Matter of fact, we've been known to have a couple good naps down there. And this morning when I sat down, I said, Lord, would you just drain everything out of me? Would you just clear up my head and my heart? And Lord, I just want to be real to those people today, but I want to be real in your word. You know what? And when you make a prayer like that, it's amazing what is going to happen. So I'm sitting there. And the Lord said, do you feel any different? And I said, Lord, I feel so light, I could probably just float out of this place today. All my heaviness had been removed. You know, I wasn't even sleepy anymore. And then these thoughts began to come. The Holy Spirit said, Lem, there's only one judge. And you'll find that over in Psalm chapter 7, verse 11, that the only judge is God, and that he's a just God. Do you feel it in your heart and your spirit this morning that you're thankful that God is the only judge and that He's a just God? That He's going to extend justice and mercy and grace to you? Amen. I mean, that's what God is all about. And then this thought came. Came from the Holy Spirit. Certainly not from me. And the Holy Spirit said, Lim, when a person goes before the judge and, and he's condemned, a verdict comes out. And it might be as simple as, having to pay a fine, a speeding fine. <laughs> I used to collect those things, wallpaper my office with them, you know? Yeah, I'm getting some of your attention right now, aren't I? Or it might be much more serious than that. And I'm thinking, and I did then, I'm thinking now about how many prisoners 
How many people convicted by a testimony of someone who did not have all the facts? Who thought they saw what they thought they saw, but they really didn't see what they thought they saw. Does that make any sense? And then I thought about the appeal system. How a person might sit in, in prison or in jail for years and years, going through one appeal after another appeal. And then the Holy Spirit brought this thought. Lim, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Woo! Does that make your boat float? I mean, it just, I mean, it makes me so happy to know that because I'm in Christ Jesus, you cannot condemn me. Satan, the enemy, cannot condemn me. There's no appeal processes that I have to go through. I have been found righteous. I have been made right with God because of who Jesus is. Man, let's get happy about that. And then this thought that Jesus is in heaven. He's ascended. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father, meaning that all the work is finished. It's over with, he said. And he's making intercession for He is our advocate because God is judge and God is just. Would you pray with me? Father, how we thank you, praise you, love you, and adore you. How we worship you through your son, Jesus Christ, who died that we might have life. Who died for us so that we would be found right, just with God Almighty. Who died, who ascended, who is making intercession for us even right now. He is our advocate. He's our intercessor. He's our friend. Praise God. He's our friend. I would extend to you this morning a time of prayer. Many years ago, I was studying a a plan to build a plan to build a building. And this is 25 years outdated. The author of the, of the article said, the most wasted space in a contemporary church these days is the altar. It costs a hundred and some dollars a square foot to build, and it's used so rarely. I would invite you today, would you come to the altar? Would you come for yourself? Would you come and pray for yourself? If you'd like someone else to come and pray with you, just come up here and kneel. Raise your hand. Someone will meet you. Maybe you realize today that, yes, I have been living like a judge. I have been using a microscope to look at the speck in my brother's eye. Would you come and pray and make things right with God again through Jesus Christ? Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what? The Holy Spirit has just told me that, that I'm not saved. If you're here today and you're not saved, would you come? Would you come and pray and receive forgiveness, justification, eternal life through Jesus Christ? Or maybe you're here today and say, I've been wanting to uh, join this church and I was sad when I saw that Brother Jimmy would not be here. So now I guess I'll have to wait. No, you don't have to wait. My good friend Tom Robinson is coming forward right now. He'll be here to receive you. I will be here. There'll be other elders. 
pray with me, congregation, that no one would leave this building today without having followed Jesus Christ. Amen.